um, I want to talk to you about our pumpkin. How many have a favorite dessert at Thanksgiving that is pumpkin? We love pumpkin. That matter of fact, that is pumpkin. Pumpkin bar, pumpkin pie. Um, I have a pumpkin bar recipe that I make every Thanksgiving. When we were, when I was shaving Clint this morning, and we were listing the things that we love, that we are thankful for, in the top three, it's always, I love pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. He associates it with his birthday. This is a pampered chef recipe that doesn't use a crust. It's all nuts. It's ground walnuts or pecans, and it's with the butter, and you bake it in the oven, and you get this wonderful crust that's nutty and delicious, and then you pour Oh, my, there's two cans of sweetened condensed milk. There's just, you know, all the spices. It's amazing. It's, it's pumpkin. But God made pumpkins in a special way because everything he made, Becky has a reason, as we are nature lovers, there's a reason why he made the pumpkin the way he did. First of all, aren't you, doesn't it just tickle you that it's orange? I mean, who would have come up with this except God? Beautiful, the, the, an orange pumpkin, really? And, and then the miracle of it is the skin, the skin of a pumpkin. If the pumpkin didn't have this God-made skin, all right, something awful would happen. This pumpkin has a very thick skin, all right, thick, thick. And the white pumpkin... I mean, I love the white pumpkins, okay. Their skin is even thicker. Now, the purpose behind this thick skin is if it wasn't as thick and hard as it is, the rodents, the insects, the varmints would all eat through it in a heartbeat, and that pumpkin would never, ever grow. It would never grow. It would never become what it's supposed to be if that thick skin wasn't surrounding all the goodness inside. And God says, child, would you please take a lesson from this? <laughs> you cannot live thin-skinned. What invades us in the course of a day and the seasons we go through, it cuts. It invades. And apart from being able to withstand and knowing what to do with the insects and the varmints and, and all the things that would eat up all that is good inside of this, this pumpkin, the application is you've got to develop a thicker skin, dear ladies. Offenses, hurts, disappointments, used-tos, all the used-tos, they're going to eat away, they're going to penetrate and they're going to eat away all the goodness that God wants to develop in you and me every single day that we live. And the devil wants to do everything he can along with life itself. This life is under the curse of sin. And every day there are situations we deal with that we deal with because guess what? We're sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. But that nature that is in us that we are born with will rear its ugly head and and do damage to fellow pumpkins all right now the point of it all being is that god says 
I have a way for you to develop a thick skin and keep a tender heart because that's the whole point. The whole point of having a thick skin, Jan, is so that we will grow into what we were meant to be. And apart from that, when I live thin-skinned, when I live with an offense, when I live with a disappointment, it rots me from the inside. And we talked about that with envy. And, you know, so often we think with envy it has to do with a monetary thing. No, no, that's the least part of envy, of, en of wanting something. Envy is really a situation in which we're saying, I don't have and I want. And I don't care what it is. It can be good things, it can be bad things, and everything in between. I want the energy I had when I was 20 years old, <laughs> you know. And I could live with that. And you know what it does? It destroys everything that God wants me to do today. It blinds me. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is this wonderful, wonderful tea. We are on the last point of our acrostic on count. So I had you turn to Psalm 90. So teach me to number my days. That means teach me to value my day today, God. I don't want to waste it. This day has to count. And um, in the last two weeks, we were on the nose of November. We're going to kind of combine that with the last part, T, on God says, Kathy, get my word into your works today because that's what's going to make it count. Teach me to number my days that I may what class? Apply my heart unto God's wisdom. What does God's word have to say about the cuts and the holes that go into this pumpkin that we are? God's got a way. God's got a way and a perfect plan that not only is for my good, but it's for God's glory. And literally, it's all wrapped up in this beautiful letter T that we're going to get on that you probably have already guessed. But um, when I am thin-skinned, when I'm easily offended, how do I, how do I know if I'm living thin-skinned? Because we are so deceitful with our justifications on how we are and who we are. It's not my fault, you see, so-and-so. And we never take hold of the fact that, no. But some of the indicators that I'm thin-skinned, two of them right off the bat, ready? I complain. I complain. You say, well, Kathy, don't we have a right to complain? I mean, do you know what happened? Do you want to get over it? Do I want to get over it? Stop complaining. And instead, get God's wisdom about what's supposed to come out of this mouth. What is supposed to come out of this mouth when people, and it will always be people, people are people. Say with me, this, this is so good to get in our heads. People are people. Say it. People are people. People are people. When people disappoint, when people let you down, when people lie, when people are angry, people are people. And I'm a people. And God so loved people that he gave his only begotten son. And so, Kathy, as a people, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted but thick-skinned, okay? So in this, the, two, the two biggest factors that reveal if I'm a complainer, because I don't care who you ask, if you say, are you, are you a complainer? Their immediate reaction is going to say, no, I don't complain. 
I don't want. Yes, yes, we do. It's in our heart. It's in our nature. We're natural complainers, but God gives us a way to replace it with that which is going to allow me to grow and not rot. So <clears throat> complaining and then the kissing cousin is grumbling, grumbling. They're not exactly the same, but they're really, really close. Grumbling is, I can't believe I have to do this again. I can't believe they didn't show up. I can't believe they didn't even call. I can't believe they said that. Okay, so the many no's of November, you know, there's so many no's in November because we're getting together with people, people that we don't always see on a regular basis. All the people are coming. All the people are coming. And so you've got to, what did I hear? Oh, all the noise. Yeah, yeah. The noise, if it's good noise, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a no. So because people are people, you got to prepare. You got to prepare for the no's. And when you prepare, when you get God's plan for the no's, there's an excitement there that happens. You know, I don't care which way it goes. If that person is offensive or grumbling or, or bringing up issues they should not bring up, I know how to answer. I know how to answer. I know how to answer in a way that will let my light so shine through that cut, through that offending remark, and it's going to show God's goodness in me. That's the whole point. Don't stay stuck on the fact, they're always like this. Yeah, because people are. People. Yeah. And all it means is another opportunity. Show Christ. Show Christ. I had a situation growing up. I never knew how something was going to go when um, certain family members came. It's always touchy. Your plan is this. First of all, pray. Pray for them. Don't pray that they don't come. Okay. Pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah. You're whining. <laughs> okay. And then pray that God will use you as light. And what that does, finally, the Holy Spirit gets excited about the fact that I've, I've, I now have a clue as to how God is going to work. God doesn't work in my fear. God doesn't work in my griping. God works in my faith. And this is what we're going to talk about in Joseph, Joseph's life in just a minute. He works in our faith, Donna. And it gets really exciting because more than anything else, my faith needs to grow today. And he says, Kathy, that's why you need to develop a thick skin because you're meant to grow up. You're meant to grow and, be, and produce that which I created you, like, like pumpkin pie from pumpkins, okay? And so with that in mind, you get a plan for people. You pray. The next thing you do is you plan. You know what they're going to say. You know what they're going to bring up because they do it every time. Or you know that they're going to pout or you know that they're going to complain. It doesn't matter. Tell the lady next to you it doesn't matter. It truly does not matter. When we find the freedom, when we find the freedom of living today according to who we are because we have a Heavenly Father who is in control 
of all people and all circumstance, and we no longer are determined by other people, that is the greatest freedom you will ever taste. Amen. The greatest freedom. Be determined by the word of God and your father. You'll read in Psalm chapter 90 about, so he says, God tells us, mankind has three score and 10 years on average, 70 years, and, and so God tells me that not to alarm me because I'm, I'm past that, you know. <gasps> no, he doesn't say that to alarm me. He says that to alert me. Alert me to what? Kathy, you're in the bonus round. You really need to make every day count. So get my wisdom concerning, and, the, and then he says, so, so then he goes on to say, um, get my wisdom concerning your day so that your day will count. And then the most beautiful part that we touched on a few weeks ago, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, Laura. The Lord is our helper. And so when you make your plan for people, because people are people, and it is the nose of November, you just, you just stand strong and say, God, thank you. This is my opportunity to show how good you are when that person shows how bad they are. Okay, now this goes into the victory of Joseph that we're going to slip into. So that being said, um, how can I live today letting my light so shine through the deep cuts that have perme permeated my skin? Um, we all experience. Oh, here's, here's um, holding grudges. Isn't it easy to hold a grudge? Don't they find a place in our heart? They really do truly find a place in our heart. And it's, it's home sweet home for every grudge that comes into our life. And you've got to root it out. You got to, you've got to root it out. And the only way you root it out is using God's solution, and that is forgiving them. And five minutes later, when it's back in there again, you do it again. You do it again. You do it again. You do it until that grudge is gone out of your heart. Rachel Jones takes the prize for the champion grudge holder. She should be in the Guinness World of Record under the auspicious title, Woman Who Holds Longest Grudge. It's been said that carrying, grudge, carrying a grudge is like being stung to death by one bee over and over. Um, oh, and here's another quip that I put in my memory bank a long time ago. If you're going to bury the hatchet, don't leave a grave marker. <laughs> don't keep going back to it. And don't pat yourself on the back because I forgave them. No. No, no, no. I just love that. Every week for 42 years, David slipped a love letter under the door of his neighbor, Rachel Jones. Each letter attempted to mend the lover's quarrel that parted them both when they were 32 years old. The grudge-holding Rachel burned every letter and refused to speak to her suitor. Finally, despite the silent treatment, David summoned courage to knock on her door and propose. And to his surprise, she accepted both Rachel and David were 74 years old when they finally got married. What did Rachel gain during her long years of silence? What did she achieve by failing to forgive? 
She gained loneliness, bitterness, perhaps a sense of power over another person. Was her vigilant stance of, I'm right, nothing will make me change my mind, worth 42 years of anguish? I wish she were still alive so we could ask her. I strongly suspect, however, that she would say she wasted years for a principle that mattered very little. And in response to that true story, let me give you a true biblical story just to put in reference to this. When we live under something we can't have, we ruin not only our life, but those in our circles. When you look at Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah was barren, and she couldn't have a child, okay? She made everybody miserable. When I live under something I can't have, it's not just about me. Not only am I rotting on the inside, and not only have I put out any light of Christ in my life as I live focused on this thing I can't have, but I make everybody around me miserable too. And uh, it's just a point of reference. There's going to be some no come up in November, something you can't have. Somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's not going to be able to come. Somebody's going to, um, you know, people are people. Plan for it. Plan for it, understanding the first point under the nose of November is God knows. God's in charge of it. God has a reason and a purpose. And when I submit that to my Lord with the one-minute prayer of, God, this does not make me happy. So use it to make me holy. This is all under your control. Let my light so shine. God, change my unhappy heart to a submissive heart that will honor you and grab your wisdom and apply it to this. I tell you what, the no's stop having power over your life. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we're going to now jump into, um, oh, I just want to say too, Oh, there's so many things I want to say. Let me think here. I want, I want to apply what we so naturally do, and then we're going to end up with a solution. Um, was the wind crazy yesterday or what? The wind was crazy. I mean, the leaves were swirling in, in little um, cyclone uh, wind tunnels, you know. And this now introduces the hurricane system uh, to the Florida area. We're very connected to that because we have a lot of family in Florida, and we are always carefully watching that. How many of you remember the Irma hurricane? Irma, it just, like, wiped out Puerto Rico, okay? It was a horrible, horrible hurricane. And um, when I watched the documentary on that, I, I could not believe my eyes. At the, at the beginning, they said that Puerto Rico would be without power for six months. I mean, our stuff goes down and our beepers come on for a day and I'm going, <laughs> you know, six months. Um, but class, that's nothing. That is nothing compared to we, God's children, living with no power. Month after month, year after year, without power, because 
some little grudge, some hurt, some deep valley. I'm not minimizing it. Has opened us up. And instead of applying God's wisdom to it, I'm applying my feelings to it. And it is so easy just to live powerless in my feelings. Irma, no power. Christians live without God's power in their life. A horrible storm ripped through. Maybe it was in their childhood. Maybe they're still without power. And then Puerto Rico lived in darkness. They lived in darkness. But that is nothing compared to children of light living in darkness. And Satan has such a heyday with things that come into our life. People are people. Circumstances are hard. Grief is real. And Satan whispers his greatest lie, God doesn't care. He's the father of lies. And he wants to use the grief and the hard things and the hurtful things to convince us that God doesn't care, God doesn't love me, and nothing is further from the truth. God says, no, I'm your helper. I'm your helper. God never minimizes the tragic seasons that we would walk through in this life. Girls, everything we have is going to go away because it's this life. The only thing we have that's not going to go away, dear Cindy, is our salvation and those things that we do for God. They are laid up in store for us. And the beautiful instruction, Nautica, that everything we do, do all to what? The glory of God. I don't care if it's a cup of cold water, Scripture says. It may be making Sunday school cookies, for which you did not receive this week. <laughs> because life is life and people are people. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God, and God writes it down. Can you imagine the baby books he has, he has for us, Elise? It's filled with everything that we have done. Lord, I do this for you. And boy, does that take pressure off. Does that take pressure off? Do your best, forget the rest. Lord, I'm doing this for you. Nobody likes it, it's, it's fine. If you don't get any thank yous, it's fine. It doesn't matter because you're doing it for the Lord, which, which so glorifies the moments of our day. Um living in darkness, the loss, the winds of adversity took away everything, health, money, talents. I can't, I don't want <clears throat> to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to say, keep praying for Brother R.B. Willette and Chrissy. Their testimony just shines. But everything's been taken away that he knew, that he did. God's going to do a miracle. I told one doctor that I was talking to this past week, I said, you know what that is? That voice box removal? That's a thorn. That's Paul's thorn. Paul prayed three times for this thorn to be removed, and every time God said, no, 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 I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. My grace will be sufficient. I will be with you with this, and I'm going to use it for my glory.
And what they have walked through is a thorn that there is no understanding it. Of course not. Don't lean on that. Acknowledge God. And that's what you see them doing, acknowledging God. And God is going to wondrously use this new season of life for his glory. And I can't wait to see that. But everything's going to go away. Everything we have is going to go away at some point. And so Christians, when they choose to live unto what they used to have, we stay stuck. We also stay blind. Because when I live in reference to something I used to have and can't have anymore, that's all I see. And I'm blind to all that I have today. I don't even recognize it because all I'm focused on is what I used to have and don't have anymore. God forbid. Well, Irma also cut off all communication. All communication. You know, like when, you're, when your phone dies and you can't use it? And then, <laughs> I know, there's, there's a handful. <laughs> and I would gladly go back to those days, but we can't. We're in today. We're into today. But when you lose all power, all communication, um, and I would say emotional stress is the thing that cuts off communication. When you are in emotional stress, when I'm in emotional stress, I, I'm thankful I don't want to talk about it. I'm not one that goes on every device, and lays out every detail. I don't believe that honors God. I, don't I think the devil uses it. He's the prince and power of the air. Um, what I do is I clean. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. I start tearing things apart. But emotional stress, this is what we need to do with our emotional Casting all our care, talk to your father. Talk to your father. Get his word, get his references into your head and your heart when you're in emotional stress. And the peace of God, and again, we're going to go back to in everything by prayer, in everything by prayer, in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace that passes all understanding will keep my heart and my mind. I don't have to lose my mind over this loss. And I certainly don't have to become hard-hearted and bitter with this loss. I imagine, I imagine angels look over the portals of heaven and wonder, why do they live that way? Why are they powerless? Why are they in the dark? Why is there no communication? And the answer to that is because this desperately wicked heart chooses it. And I have to come to a point where I say, God, I choose you. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve, Kathy, because your faith is not about singing in the choir, teaching a Sunday school class, being a pastor's wife. Your, your faith is not about a, a mode, a form. Your faith is about growing your faith today. So develop a tougher skin and keep your tender heart by getting God's wisdom over what he says concerning what we are to do when the no's come tumbling in. The very first thing is give thanks. In everything, give thanks.
They pray for Carter. I thank the Lord. He's got parents who are directing him that God loves him. And God is going to reveal what the situation is. And you can trust God. You can trust God. They prayed for Gerald and Judy and their eyes and Diane with her eyes. God, thank you. Thank you. Eyesight is so important. I trust you in making all things well. Just for a moment, I still have you for five minutes. Don't, don't leave me. We wanna, I want to hit you with, um, Joseph, on your sheet here. Uh, you've got this all written out for you now. So you can take this home and use this for this week's Bible study. It's excellent. How in the world did Joseph live the way he lived? Remember last week was I gave you all these scenarios of something that had been taken away, the nose of November, and then... And then the next right action, all of these scenarios had to do, they were a doer of it. They were a doer of it. Your faith demands a doing. It's not just knowing. It's not just trusting. It's not just praying. All those are prerequisites. But then you've got to make the choice in the next moment, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do my faith according to God's word. This is what Joseph had. He didn't have anything else. He didn't have a Christian school. He didn't have a, a life application Bible. He didn't have a support system. He didn't have a good family. He didn't have his freedom. He was thrown in prison on a trumped-up charge. And then, did I say something wrong? Oh, okay. So then, in prison, how would you and I have responded? Here's our example. Because you know what? The nose of November put us in prison every time. It's our own personal prisons. How am I going to respond? Become a doer of your faith. God has something very specific that he writes out that he says, this is what you're to do to get out of prison, and it will glorify me. I want you to go, go through, um, let me, let, what he didn't do. Okay, we kind of touched on that. He didn't quit. He was a doer. Um, a couple of things in relationship to Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, and all the, the people situations. Be a doer of your faith. What can I do with rude people? Make a plan. Okay, you're going you're gonna to have some rude people. What can I do with gossiping people? You see, you've got to learn how to be a doer of your faith what am I going to do with gossiping people? What am I going to do with complaining people? What am I, don't, don't correct them. Please don't correct them. It's not the point. But the devil wants you to correct them. Now, if they're your children, yes, correct them. I'm not talking about, okay, yes, of course. So please, please correct them. And make that plan early on. I mean, how often did we say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Mama, you make the plan. You make the plan. Complaining people, um, don't correct them. I'm talking about peers and relatives and, and friends. So what do you do with a complaining person? All right, first of all, if I'm not going to correct them and I hear them complaining and they're my friend or they're my family, I'm going to say, life can be tough, can it? Do you know who's stronger? God. God. Humble my heart with this complaining person. Don't pridefully 
correct them. And then the statement we're all to keep in our pockets all the time is what? Five statements we always use every day. This is like number four. Come on, class. We've gone over this multiple. How can I help you? How can I help? Oh, we've got this again? I don't like that. I mean, some people, they did not, they do not have, but you, they did not have a mom that said, you don't say that out loud at a table, you know. <laughs> this is say, no, you know what? Just take one bite. Okay, but anyways, get a plan for complaining people. Get a plan for hurting. What do you do being a doer of your faith with hurting people? And again, it's that same thing. I am so sorry. How can I help? Let's pray about this. That let's pray was number two statement. Five statements you always need to live with every day. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Speaking of let's pray, I, I forgot to, Nautica, I don't know if you've met Nautica. She's a new blessing in our class. Nautica asked Christ into her heart last week. And Nautica, we are thrilled. We are just so thrilled. Um, as I was saying, I'm praying. Let, let me finish with this because it's why we have this beautiful bouquet. Okay? Nine o'clock last night in the dark. Okay. Neighbors driving by. What is that woman doing down by her mailbox by the road, you know? Sandra felt as low as the heels of her shoes as she pushed against a November gust in the floor shop door. Her life had been easy, like a spring breeze. Then in the fourth month of her second pregnancy, a minor automobile accident stole her ease. During this Thanksgiving week, she would have delivered a son. She grieved over her loss. And if that were not enough, her husband's company threatened a transfer. Then her sister, whose holiday visit she coveted, called saying she couldn't come. What's worse, Sandra's friend infuriated her by suggesting her grief was a God-given path to maturity that would allow her to empathize with others who suffer. Okay, now that's what I'm saying. It's true. That is very true. But to everything, there is a time and a season. And you don't say that when somebody is hurting, okay? I, and I do have to tell you this. I, I, I promise you, my dear, loving sisters in Christ, when Clint was born in the end of November... And I felt like everything had been taken away from his life. The last thing I wanted to hear was one more person tell me, God knows who to give these children to. It's true. But I didn't know it was true then. I mean, you know, after I got over the desire to slap them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so with this, um, she, has, she has no idea what I'm feeling, thought Sandra with a shudder. Thanksgiving, thankful for what, she wondered. For a careless driver whose truck was hardly scratched when he rear-ended her. For an airbag that saved her life but took that of her child. Good afternoon, may I help you? The shop clerk approached. I, I need an arrangement, stammered Sandra. For Thanksgiving, do you want beautiful but ordinary or would you like to challenge the day with a customer favorite? I call it the Thanksgiving special, asked the shop clerk. I'm convinced that flowers tell stories, she continued. Are you looking for something that conveys gratitude this Thanksgiving? Oh, not exactly, Sandra blurted out. In the last five months, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Sandra regretted her outburst and was surprised when the shop clerk said, 
I have the perfect arrangement for you. Then the doorbell of the clock, or the door's small bell rang, and the shop clerk said, Hi, Barbara, let me get, get your order. She politely excused herself and walked toward a small workroom, then it reappeared carrying an arrangement of greenery bows, long-stemmed, thorny roses, except the ends of the rose stems were already neatly snipped off, and there were no flowers. Want this in a box, asked the clerk. Sandra watched for the customer's response. Was this a joke? Who would want rose stems with no flowers? She waited for the laughter, but neither of the women were laughing. Yes, please, Barbara replied with an appreciative smile. You'd think after three years of getting this special, I wouldn't be so moved by its significance, but I can feel it right here all over again, she said as she tapped her chest. Ah, uh, stammered Sandra. That lady just left with, uh, she left with no flowers. That's right, said the clerk. I cut off the flowers. That's the special, and I call it the Thanksgiving Thorns Bouquet. Oh, come on, you can't tell me someone is willing to pay for that. Barbara came into the shop three years ago feeling much like you feel today, explained the clerk. She thought she had very little to be thankful for. She had lost her father to cancer. The family business was failing. Her son was into drugs, and she was facing major surgery. That same year, I had lost my husband, continued the clerk, and for the first time in my life, had spent the holidays alone. I had no children, no husband, no family nearby, and too great a debt to allow any travel. Well, what did you do, asked Sandra. I learned to be thankful for the thorns, answered the clerk quietly. I've always thanked God for the good things in life and never had to ask him why those good things happened to me. But when the bad stuff hit, did I ever ask then? It took time for me to learn that dark times are important. I've always enjoyed the flowers of life, but it took the thorns to show me the beauty of God's comfort. You know the Bible says that God comforts us when we're afflicted. From his consolation, we learn to comfort others. Sandra sucked in her breath as she thought about the very thing her friend had tried to tell her. I guess the truth is I don't want comfort. I've lost my baby, and I'm angry with God. Just then, someone else walked in the shop. Hey, Phil, shouted the clerk. My wife sent me to get our usual Thanksgiving arrangement. Twelve thorny long stem stems, laughed Phil, as the clerk handed him his tissue-wrapped arrangement from the refrigerator. Those are for your wife, asked Sandra. Do you mind me asking why she wants something that looks like that? Oh, no, and I'm glad you asked, Phil responded. For four years ago, my wife and I were nearly divorced. After 40 years, we were in a mess. But with the Lord's grace and guidance, we slogged through problem after problem. He rescued our marriage. Jenny here, the clerk, told me she kept a vase of rose stems to remind her of what she'd learned through thorny times. And that was good enough for me. I took those I took some of those stems home, and my wife and I decided to label each one for a specific problem and give thanks for what that problem had taught us. Well, as Phil paid the clerk, he said to Sandra, I highly recommend the special. I don't know if I can be thankful for the thorns in my life, Sandra said. It's all so fresh. Well, the clerk replied, my experience has shown me that thorns make roses more precious. We treasure God's provincial care more during trouble than any other time. Remember, it was a crown of thorns that Jesus wore so we might know his love. Don't resent the thorns. Tears rolled down Sandra's cheeks, and for the first time since the accident, she loosened her grip on resentment. I'll take those 12 long stem thorns, please, she managed to choke out. Well, I hoped you would, the clerk said gently. I'll have them ready in a minute. 
Thank you, and what do I owe you? Nothing, nothing but a promise to allow God to heal your heart. The first year's arrangement is always on me. The clerk smiled and handed a card to Sandra. I'll attach this card to your arrangement, but maybe you would like to read it first. It read, Dear God, I have never thanked you for my thorns. I have thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the life I bear. Teach me the value of my thorns. Show me that I have climbed closer to you along the path of life. Show me that through my tears, the colors of your rainbow look much more brilliant. Praise him for your roses. Thank him for your thorns. And that does say it all for our tea on making our days count.